All right, so if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 7, <clears throat> in verse 36. Now, I'll preface this by saying, uh, I've never done this before. Don't get nervous. <laughs> um, but we're going to look at the concept of foot washing. So, pretty that's a pretty... Uh, dirty subject if you ask me but you know uh this all coming from the person that doesn't like feet i don't uh, i just don't like feet at all i blame it on some childhood things that happened so <laughs> but uh the concept of of a feet and foot washing so we're gonna look at starting luke chapter 7 and verse 36 it's not gonna be anything outlandish but it's just it's just an odd topic to start with <laughs> Luke 7 and 36. It says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he, sh he should eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman of, in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet, at his feet behind him weeping <clears throat> and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet, and anointed them with anointment. And now when the Pharisees which had been him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. <clears throat> and I'll stop there for the moment. <clears throat> so, here we have the act of, of foot washing brought to our attention. One of the things that uh, historically that I'll mention is that the act of foot washing was something that was done to travelers when they come into a, a, a Jewish home. Most people, uh, you know, they didn't have cars. They didn't have public transportation. They traveled most places on foot or by um, camel or by horse or by donkey at that particular point in time. So the primary foot attire was sandals typically or a type of boot um, but didn't provide much protection to their feet so they walked through mud and muck and all kinds of manners of gross things uh, they didn't have of course uh, the kind of cleanliness habits that we have today so there was a lot of nasty things that they would have to walk through so this was especially important because when they entered a home, they would wash their feet to kind of set apart their feet so they could be clean enough to walk through the house. Um, I wasn't real sure how this particularly happened, but they were provided a basin and typically a servant. It was considered at the time something too good for the owner of the house to do. So they would have a servant or um someone of lesser status to do the foot washing for this person that was entering their home they were accepting. So not to spend too much time on that, but uh, in other accounts in the Gospels, uh, it speaks of this woman being uh, Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Um, and, and this particular account, I don't have much information on that, but there are some account over in John that mentions this being Mary. Um, but at this particular time, we won't focus on that. So this particular woman was talked about as a sinner, 
overcome with grief, but heard that Jesus was there and came and presented herself to him and did what? She bowed herself down. This act of foot washing was an act of humility and an act of love or, or adoration for this person. So she bowed down and submitted herself to Jesus to wash himself. You know, of course, when you bow yourself down to the ground to wash, do something on the ground, you won't really have any protection. You're kind of at the person's mercy. So she threw herself at the feet of Jesus and washed his feet with her tears and her hair and the ointment. That says a lot about this. What what was going on with this woman? There was. He says there. He says he would, if he was a prophet, he would have understood. They didn't know what what Jesus was capable of. They underestimated Jesus. He says, had he known that the person that touched him is a sinner, well, obviously there's something to be left out of the story here. But it was something pretty, pretty bad. Uh, it could have been by all accounts. But sin is a sin. But nevertheless, this man judged her and missed the part that was most important. Missed that she knew who Jesus was, that she come and threw herself at his feet. She was obviously overcome by her sin and the state that she was in. But yet she sought the forgiveness of Jesus. That was thus the act of foot washing. I'm also perplexed about this in some cases because John even says, I'm not even worthy. He comes after me, I'm not even worthy. And unlatched his sandals. But yet we see here this woman comes and washes his feet. That's something to think about. We're pondering the, the greatness of our Lord, yet here he is in a man's house taking meat. And this woman is washing his feet, consumed by her own sin and her, her desire to be forgiven. This drew the condemnation of the Pharisees, but it also highlights their lack of compassion and love and humility for their fellow man. Jesus' teachings and his example to others was that he served through humility. He loved to the point that he would offer himself as a sacrifice. His teachings were what we are to exemplify and, and follow after. But if anybody could redeem this woman to a position, it was Christ. <clears throat> these people were ignoring these particular things that Christ was trying to teach them because they were too self-important and they were too focused on Status and acknowledging one another in the flesh. Scripture talks about they loved the Pharisees loved to be called rabbi and teacher and you know and and leader. But what did the Lord tell them continuously? He says, "Don't don't seek for those titles. Why? Because that's not what what we're after here. So what is it the Lord wants a, a wants of us? What is this act trying to draw out here? Bless you." But it is the act of humility and love in serving each other. Let's look over at John chapter 13. 
remembering here, just keeping in the back of the mind the account that we read over here, over there in Luke. John chapter 13 and verse 3. <clears throat> says, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. Excuse me, I did write that down wrong again. I'm in Luke. I'm supposed to go to John. <laughs> Luke, not Luke, but John chapter 13 and verse 3. Help if I kept turning. So Jesus dying in verse 3, that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. <clears throat> he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girdeth himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he had girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash thy feet, my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew that he should be betray him. Therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. He's speaking of, of Judas there. So, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and had sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me master and lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than the Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, <clears throat> happy are ye if you do them. I speak not of, all, uh, of you all. I know that whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it comes to pass, ye shall believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I sendeth receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. It was important to keep the whole context and read that passage there. But Christ was telling his disciples an important, he was, he's giving them an important lesson here. Again, drawing upon what we talked about historically that foot washing was, it was to get rid of the defilement. The things that cause, could cause your feet to, you know, basically desecrate the house that you were visiting. You know, dirty it up. So that you could be set apart to enter into the home to enjoy the fellowship with those that you were going to visit. But the person that you were going in to visit had your feet washed and prepared so that you could enter in and enjoy fellowship with them. Think about that. 
the point there was the service and the humility there between the two parties interacting. It's the same thing for us in our service to the Lord. We enter into relationship with the Lord to set ourselves apart for serving Him. The point was is that not one was higher than the other, but that they both, through mutual agreement, sought to redeem each other for their company. So humbly and lovingly, Jesus wanted to ensure that they followed the self-same example he presented to them. That they care for one another. That they submit to one another. That they love one another. That there was nothing more important than this practice. Demonstrating your concern and your care for one another. Jesus told him there, he says, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. He even washed the feet of his enemy. Judas was one of the disciples at this particular point, but he had already, Satan had already entered into him. It says there earlier in the passage there that Satan had already entered in. But yet Jesus, knowing what was going to happen, he still washed his feet. How much, how much do we do these things to our enemies? Even though we know that they would do us harm, we still treat them with compassion and humility and love and concern for them. We talked about that a little bit this morning about being this way even towards our enemies so that they might know what? I thought I mentioned that the Christ and us, the hope of glory. We we can't demonstrate that if we're if we hate our enemy. He tells us to love our enemy. The concept that we're not accustomed to in mankind, are we? Being loving our enemy. I would say to the point of loving our enemy as ourselves too, just as we do our spouse, as we do one another. Why? Because we are different than the rest of this world. And if Jesus is truly in us, then we're going to exemplify the same thing that he did here. That was the point he was, tra- he was trying to get the cross to him. It wasn't necessarily the act of foot washing. It was how we treat one another. We saw in the account over there of the Pharisee when the woman was washing Jesus' feet. What did they say? You wouldn't, if you knew what what she was, then you wouldn't have anything to do with her. Jesus had a different mind frame. Everyone had an opportunity to come to to the Lord through him. Why should we be any different? It is through our act of humility and love that we can prepare even our enemies for service of the Lord. Jesus cared so much for these individuals that hated him and sought to kill him and sought to lay their hands on him every opportunity they got or trip him up. But yet he still let them come and sit around him and teach them. Why? Because even they deserved it. 
Genesis chapter 43 and verse 29. Familiar account of scripture. 43 and verse 29. That may not be the right verse, but we'll try it. It's not. <clears throat> I think it's actually supposed to be 34. I don't tell y'all this often, but you don't know I'm dyslexic, so I do swap numbers from time to time. <laughs> That's still not it. That's okay. Y'all forgive me. The point of the, the passage was uh, where Abraham saw God and the two messengers. And he beckoned them. They were at the the, the uh, trees there at Mamre. And he beckoned them to come. And what did he do? He offered them respite. He says, come and wash your, you know, I've provided food and I've provided foot, foot washing for your refreshment, basically. That Abraham knew who God was and still invited him and took care of him, washed his feet so that he could talk with him and receive the Lord's counsel. So he recognized who God was. He knew God and God knew him. But yet he was still humble enough as the Lord's servant to beckon him over and to wash his feet and, and allow him to wash his feet and to take care of him. Why? Because he knew the Lord offered something far greater than any other person in this world could provide. He offered Abraham a covenant, a lasting covenant, an opportunity to serve him. But yet Abraham still, even in the status he held with the Lord, still beckoned the Lord, come, come and let me take care of you. Something for us to consider. Do we communicate with the Lord in such a way? And our... In our prayers and in our life, do we communicate with the Lord in such a way? Scripture also tells us about talks about entertaining strangers in there, and I'll I'll mention this briefly, but the same thing there. How do we know if we're not entertaining the Lord and his messengers? We need to be always looking to the Lord for our guidance and understanding because we don't know in what situation the Lord is going to be there present. We'll have to give an account for that and he'll be like, I came to you and you didn't do these things. So that ought to make us think twice in our interactions with those out in the world, what just what we're doing. Just keeping the concept in the back of our mind about foot washing, what he was talking about. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 24 through 30. <clears throat> he says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be of their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle 
or a such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own body, that he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of the body of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Great is the mystery, but speak concerning Christ and the church. Aye. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as even as himself, and his wife sees that she reverts her husband. Verse 26 there mentions that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. It's talking in reference to the church, but he uses the husband and wife there, which is still applicable. He says, as Christ does for the church. Wasn't that what he was teaching over there to the disciples? Sanctifying, setting apart themselves, washing, cleansing yourself from defilement. One other thing that I that I that I stated out in this particular concept was the washing away. The what did it say? Uh, it was obsolete. It was old. It was going to pass away, making obsolete the old covenant with the new. They don't have enough time to go into that. So <laughs> that's another sermon for another day. But the point here was is that the same example is here for husband and wife. Wife with her husband. We are what? We're made to to help one another. We, through our actions, through my actions, maybe I'll sanctify Donna or Donna through me, but there's things that I do from time to time that I was like, I don't think that's quite right. I think you need to take a look at that. And most of the time she's right. <laughs> but... The purpose there is that he's saying that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. What do you think that act of foot washing was? It was the same principle there. The act of helping one another to stay clean, to encourage one another, to uplift one another, wasn't that necessarily he was telling them, you've got to wash your feet continually, each other's feet. It was the practice. It was the thought. It was the intent behind that practice that was important. And the disciples understood it. Albeit Judas doesn't seem that Judas quite understood that concept, but Satan had already entered in. So to imitate Christ, look at the beginning of chapter 5 there, verses 1 through 12. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ hath also loved us and hath given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, nor uh, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath an inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and God. 
Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them, for ye are sometimes in darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord, and walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, that have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And I'll stop there. So it talks about the walk. Walk of a believer there. Those that follow after God. But what does he say there? Don't let filthiness and these things be named among you. These are the things that we're supposed to, in Christ, have washed away. He tells us to be renewed. What? Be renewed? Washed regeneration of, of mind? Put on the mind of Christ? It's like washing our body. <laughs> we wash our bodies sometimes every day, sometimes every other day to get rid of the filth of the things that will cause us to get sick or, you know, cause us to smell bad. But I'll draw it attention. One of the most sensitive parts of your body is your feet. You use your feet to carry yourself from point A to point B every day, don't you? The same thing with our health. If we don't take good care of our feet, we're not going to be able to get around. I think about foot care more thoroughly these days because of health issues. And as I get older, I realize just how important feet are. I told you earlier, I don't like feet. I don't like smelly feet. I don't like to touch feet. But the importance of feet is if you don't care for them, you can't get around. You can't move around or lift things or your feet provide you with a lot of things. You're your foundation. So why do you think it's important that they said wash your feet? You know, your parents used to tell you when you are kids, wash your feet. Why? Because they smell bad <laughs> if you don't take care of them. But the intent that Jesus had behind foot washing was the act of humility, abasement, the act of caring for oneself and for others so that we can continue to carry out the work that the Lord has for us. That's the intent behind foot washing. Again, it wasn't the act of actual foot washing, but it was the act of subservience and the act of humility there that we are to have as the Lord's servants. So consider, as we go through this week, just the things that we do and the things that we do for one another and for others, our enemies chiefly too. Are we carrying out the example that Jesus did there to care for our enemies and for those that we love so that they can see Christ in us and that they might see Jesus and have an opportunity to serve him as well? We are ambassadors. We are examples and the communities that we're in, and I say communities because a lot of us touch a lot of things, a lot of communities. 
but maybe through our humility and our service to the Lord that they might see that, hey, I want a part of, I want to be a part of that. I, I want I want the Lord too. I see what's going on with you. Not just in that, they see that we have something in us that's far greater than lasting than any other thing that this earth has to offer. May the may the people we come in contact with see the Lord in us. And and see this through our care and our love for others. That's all I have for you this morning. Thank you for your kind attention and coming together and getting to spend time with one another. Uh, if you all stand, we'll be dismissed. Remember, uh, services, no services tonight. At some point this evening, I'll post, I'll post a message that we can, you know, that y'all can all send out in a group. Um,